theyeshiva.net. Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome. So we are up to the Mimer of Echaltsu Seiftes, chapter 9. Vihine, it's page Reish Lamed Beis in your copies, or if you have a safer. I received a very moving email from somebody yesterday, or actually, I think two days ago. Good morning. I want to read it to you. When I re- when I got it, I just thought I would be. Uh, it was extremely moving. So, Jew who doesn't live here, he listens online. This mimer that you're teaching hechaltsu that I'm listening to, I have to tell you that it has opened up my eyes in a new way. One of my children is older, and he's struggling terribly with addiction. And uh, isolation and terrible, terrible emotional struggles with himself and the world around him. And uh, I was dealing with him all these years, it turns out, in a way that just reflected my ignorance. I basically knew nothing I was doing when he was growing up. But I called myself a true and good father because that's what I believed was the right thing to do. Basically, my entire model of education was based on internal isolation, guilt, fear, and just instinctively controlling the situation. I never turned inwards to ask myself where my reactions are coming from. Maybe it's the way I was brought up. Maybe I never felt real love. I don't even know what love is. I was financially responsible, but I did not know what it means to emotionally connect. Connect. These classes have begun a very profound healing process for me. Simply opening myself up to my own inner pain and what it means to have a relationship with Hashem. I learned what bittel means. I now talk to my son daily in a different way, but it's very hard and complicated to say the least because it's like redoing a half a century of mistakes. If I can really internalize this, life would be much, much deeper for myself and my children and all of my loved ones. I can go on and on and on and on, but perhaps you get the message a little bit. Hashem should help that with all the breaking down that I experienced, which you call Shviris HaKelem of Tayu, I should emerge from the breaking of all the vessels as a better human being, a more authentic Jew, a better husband, and a much greater father. What I have learned from this is that I have to be able to reinvent myself and not be afraid to be vulnerable and open myself up to my deepest fears and insecurities, and go from the place of Yeshus to the place of Bittel. I am so grateful. Love you. That was the message. Okay. Wherever you are, you just got a uh, sitting ovation, but it's akin to a standing ovation. Okay, Siv Tess. 
So what was our last point that we learned? Our last point was the difference between the world of Kedusha, the mental space of Kedusha, and the mental space of what's called Sitra Acher, right? Two different mental spaces. One is, one lives in a world of real confidence, one lives in a real world of oneness, of alignment, and therefore there's no need to cover up and there's no need to protect and there's no need to cope based on survival because the person is alive internally. And that means practically, as he puts it here, when a person realizes their alignment with Hashem, their alignment with infinity, and then their reactions and responses to themselves and to life come from a place of deep expansiveness and oneness and inclusivity, like Ace, like Yaakov says, Yashli Koil. As explained at length, that real unity is not afraid of paradoxes, and on the contrary, it celebrates paradoxes, because in the real space of the divine, everything is part of it, even that which is which seems opposite. And that's why in life, he says, even in science, you will find that everything has also an opposite quality, because ultimately everything reflects the unity. But when a person gets stuck, stuck or stuck up, in a particular frame of mind, of reference, and now I live in that very limited orbit, so just your existence outside of me can be threatening. And he explained at length that we see in Jewish communities that people sometimes don't get along, not because of a particular argument. It's just, if you say one thing, I almost have to feel that I I feel I have to disagree with you. It's disagreement for the sake of disagreement. What's the reason for it? It's not like, ideologically, we really have a different way of looking at things. Fine, that's fine. People have different ways. He said, that always comes later. There's something inherent that your existence triggers me. Right? That's the word. It, it just triggers me. It bothers me. And he says, that's what Chazal called sin ashinam. It's not the hatred started for a reason. It's because of my own internal void, my own internal uh, emptiness, my own internal trauma, my own internal uh, discomfort with who I really am inside that puts me in a position where I'm oppositional. They call it today defiance disorder. <laughs> it's a new disorder, defiance disorder. <laughs> Everything is a disorder. But the truth is, there's a truth to that. Why do I have to be defiant somehow it's a survival thing for me. I may not even know it. I come up with all different types of excuses and reasons. And he says, you see it in shuls, you see it in communities. And the bottom line is that in addition to the strife that it creates, they also lose the objective of building something positive when there's so many things that have to be built. That was the main point, I think, of last class with a lot of elaboration. Let's now go further. Siftas. V'hine zel gamken hasibah. This is also explains, you sometimes see negative energy, animosity between a person and another person, and it's not intellectually, rationally justified. 
that all comes later. It's something that the relationship itself is not tolerable. The person cannot be in a real relationship, in a real connection. You have it sometimes in a marriage. It's not, they come to the marriage therapist, he does this, she does this. They find a hundred reasons, he finds a hundred reasons why she triggers him so badly. She finds 150 reasons, whatever it is. All those reasons have nothing to do with the reality. The reality is that the relationship is too scary. If the relationship is too scary, I'm not coming and saying the relationship is too scary. I'm a scared little traumatized PTSD child with half of my brain shut down and my, my hands and legs and brain and prefrontal lobes and soul tied behind my back already for 49 years or 39 years. And of course, everything is going to be reinterpreted as uh, threatening. If I would know that, it's already not, not too bad. <laughs> If you can come in and say that, you're pretty good. Yediya samach lechatzi trooper, right? Huh? Admit, and, and, and if you can feel it already, so the trauma doesn't have complete control over you. So I find all the reasons why this, but what's the essential thing? The essential thing is, isolation is the name of the game. Isolation is the name of the game. Exclusivity is where I live. And whenever a relationship gets too close, and marriage always brings that out in people. Why? It either brings out the best in people or the worst in people. Why does it bring out the worst in people? Because it's v'hoyu l'basar echad. You know, if we would date once a week for an hour and a half, you could be on good behavior. An hour and a half, you can make believe you're, you're you know, somewhat... Uh, finish the sentence. <laughs> but... but it, these relationships that get under your skin, right? The more they get under your skin, the more they challenge you. Yeah, a guy said to me, why is it that all my friends love me? The only one who doesn't like me is my spouse. Your friends see you Shabbos at the Kiddush for 45 minutes and you make good jokes with jalapeno herring, right? She says, and that's the problem. My wife doesn't laugh at my jokes. She doesn't think I have a good sense of humor. <laughs> I'm thinking like, you know, you don't. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I'm very nice. I'm very nice. My point is, the deeper a relationship becomes, the more threatening it becomes if you're not worked out. If we meet once a week for five minutes, right? Or even for an hour, it's fine. It's orchestrated. <laughs> we have our date again. It's fine. It's prepared. But there's relationships that get under your skin because that's their purpose to get under your skin. <laughs> so if I'm not worked out, that's where it's going to come out. People don't understand this always. Right? And that's why God made this institution called marriage and such types of relationships that are deep. Because they really, they really require for me to become, to become who I'm supposed to become, to face what I need to face. Close friendships, relationships with children, relationships with people in a more close and intimate way. And sometimes, for my existence, your presence is just difficult for me. I may not say those words, but that's what he's articulating here. And therefore, my eye becomes a negative eye. And he says, even the good, I become negative about. You can have a person, he's mavatal, he'll nullify, he'll completely disregard even the positive things of another person. He says, even their Torah and their mitzvahs, what is that coming from? Even the good is not good, because the delegitimization is so powerful that I have to dismiss everything. You have sometimes a person is dangerous. This guy didn't ever hurt you. 
It's not like he's scheming to, 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 to do you evil, you know, to, to take away your job, to take away your house, to take away your position. All I know is, I cannot make peace with you. My heart is not wholesome around you. And it's not, if I think rationally about it, and I make a list, what is it? It doesn't match up. It doesn't match up. There's something more. There's something much deeper. There's an expression in Yeshaya Navi, chapter 66. Imru achechem seinechem. I just want to look up the Pasuk. Yeshaya Samachvav Hey. Shibu Dvar Hashem, Hacharedim El Dvore. By the way, this is the source for the word Charedim. Charedim El Dvore, those who look out with tremendous awe to his word. Amru Achechem Seinechem Menadechem Laman Shmi Yichbad Hashem Veniri Besimchaschem Vehem Yevesho. He says, your brothers, your enemies. If it's your brothers, it's not your enemies. So he says, he's saying something deep. It's your brothers who are your enemies. The word brother, ach, or achoy, sister, where does the word come from? The word ach is a rep- a represents, represents a not. You have, for example, in Gemara, I think in Shabbos, the Alexandrian not. Right, lachot keda. Lachot keda is to connect when something is torn to bring back the two pieces. So an ach is called a brother because there's a natural biological knot between brothers, between sisters, between siblings. The way you know your brother, you know, is a way that nobody knows. You know, siblings know each other in a way that sometimes even spouses don't. You know what I mean? Because they know the mishagasin from the house. <laughs> you know the idiosyncrasies. You, you share the genes of tati and mommy. Brothers know each other, yes, sisters know each other. There's something, the biological connection is very deep. So it's called ach. Ach is from the word ichli, which means connection. You're connected. It's not like you're separate. One person is trying to damage another person. That's why it's so strange. So where's the hatred coming from? The hatred is coming from, despite the connection, despite, they should be connected, and sometimes it's coming because of the connection. Because the relationship is too difficult for me. If we would be disconnected, I'd be fine. But the, the need of connection, the need for connection, creates sometimes a negative response. It's hard for me to celebrate your goodness, your joy. In a good relationship, not only you forgive. You want to bring out the success of other people. You, you celebrate another person's success. You don't feel it takes away from you. You want the person to be serene. You want the person to have abundance. Well, here you see a person, and he sees the other person is not doing well. He won't admit it, but it makes him feel good a little bit. At least he's not in pain. The truth is, a person living in a place of divine expansiveness, one should experience and feel pain for the pain of another person. Somebody is going through something, it affects me. And he says, in a way, more even than what I'm going through. Why? interesting. For me, I can make a cheshben, you know, this, this is maybe what I need. <laughs> this is what I need to grow. For myself, 
I could figure out stuff why I'm going through this. A person is experiencing pain in life. It's a wake-up call to examine everything in my life. It, it, to refine me, to make me a better person. As the Gemara says over there, when a person really searches, I'll find. I can even reach a place and realize that this is actually a tikkun, it's part of my repairing work in this world. But for another person, you shouldn't be making these calculations. I don't know what's happening in your heart. It's not my job to do what the Gemara says in Pesachim. It's called Yeah, Where I don't bring in chametz, I don't have to check. I didn't bring in chametz into your pockets. <laughs> I have to check chametz in my pockets. Sometimes the system is, I check chametz in your pocket, and you're checking for chametz in my pocket. Well, excuse me, I do b'dikas chametz in my house, you do b'dikas chametz in your house. Where you bring in chametz, you check. Where I bring in, I check. She says, on another person, you shouldn't be making this b'dikas chametz, these chashbonas. You look at another person, a person is good. Stop judging other people in a proje- as a projection. You project yourself on them. Generally, we judge people favorably. So when you see somebody in pain, it should cause me pain. You should pray for them, have compassion. If you really think the person, the person's life is a mess, and this is a wake-up call. And maybe you know certain things about their life. So what, you should just make believe and be naive and be stupid. Is that pshat? L'kav schuz doesn't mean you're a naive person. You don't know flaws. He says, no. Yigala l'musar oznoi benoi l'benatzmoi. So have an open one-to-one conversation with him. Intimate, close. And share with him what you feel about his or her actions. And then hopefully everything will turn out well. You're allowed to speak to somebody about that. But that doesn't mean you're estranged. That doesn't mean you're celebrating their pain, or at least you couldn't care less about the pain. When there's absolutely no empathy. No empathy. And sometimes deep down you even have a stickle tinge of, of, of joy. It's like, you know, something... <laughs> You know, people don't like talking about this, but sometimes it's a nishka ferlach, you know. He got what he deserves. What do they say? Sekimtem. Sekimtem. Only in Yiddish, right? In English, they say he got what he deserves. Sekimtem. Nishka ferlach. You know, it's good. It's good for his ego. It's good. It's good, you know. It's good for the ecosystem. You need balance. He, he was doing too well. <laughs> he was doing too well. He was too popular. It's good. It's good. Nishkefelech. You, you you suddenly become you, you you're in charge of his ego. You're in charge of his reputation. You're in charge of his elam haba, right? You, we all know that feeling. He says, There's something inside of me that's not worked out. Don't point a finger there. What do they say when you point a finger at somebody? Simultaneously, you're pointing three fingers at yourself, right? You ever noticed? In Yiddish, there's an expression when you say somebody curses a shiltzich. He curses himself. When you want to say in Yiddish, he curses. He curses himself. Ultimately, this hatred is called chinam. Why is it called chinam? Because it's not rooted in the other person's actions. It's rooted in my own internal 
trauma, in my own internal state of affairs. But it's very hard to see that. It's very hard to confront that because for that, I really have to be able to have the vulnerability to be able to take an x-ray, which I may not even do, which I may not even be able to do on my own. I may need the assistance of somebody else. So the curiosity to understand what's happening inside of me is a tremendous awareness to help a person. Ooh. This phenomenon you see often more frequently among people who supposedly are dedicated to serve God. In other words, this phenomenon we can understand. Life is tough and people are isolated and people don't trust and I have my traumas and I have my ego or my narcissism which I go into in order to protect myself because I'm in a state of deep, deep yeshes, not aligned with my true potential, with my true calling. So I can't have that vision, I get it. But people who are dedicated to Avodah Hashem, service of Hashem is a battle for transcendence. Nonetheless, you see this frequently in that demographic, let's put it that way. Shekal echad v'echad boyne boma la'atzmai. People tend to build a bummer. You know what a bummer is? They used to build bummers. Huh? A stage. The word bima comes from bummer, which means an elevated platform. Chazal tell us that the bummers were places that people would build in their backyards or in their communities, and they would bring karbonas there. Right? Before there was a base amikdash, they allowed bummers. You could bring karbonas in your own private backyard. You built a bummer. But here he's using it metaphorically. Every person builds their own bama. I have my, my, my altar. And you don't dare get close to yours. To mine. You see it sometimes in learning. I become completely stubborn in my own mindset. Can't hear another opinion. Also when it comes to Avedis Hashem, completely stuck in my way of looking at it. They're not connected to each other. They don't know how to really connect, to really unite. The truth is, One of the first litmus tests, one of the foundations, one of the primary foundations in those who live in the world of Torah and Avodah Hashem is that they know how to really connect with people. They know how to really connect with each other. First of all, when it comes to learning, the Pasuk says in Mishlei, Proverbs chapter 27, iron goes together with iron, and a person together with his friend. So the Gemara explains in Tainus, just like when you want to sharpen barzel, you want to sharpen a sword, you're you bring it together with another sword. You know how they sharpen swords with each other. The barzel is mischadid. It becomes sharpened through the other barzel. The only way to sharpen and hone your own learning skills is when you're intimately, right, sharpening that barzel with another barzel, which means there's connection. Anyone who's really involved in learning knows the biggest obstacle is subjectivity. 
when there's only one way of looking at things. This is the only truth. The worst thing you can hear from somebody who's learning is everything I know, everything there is to know about this, really. The first prerequisite for growth and learning is humility. There's so much more. When somebody says, my mind, that's the whole emes. When you could be mefalpel, when you could connect with somebody and it could be truth, true conversation, then you come to a much deeper truth. And he says, because sometimes it looks like you're connecting with somebody, but you're just trying to win. You know what I mean? There's an argument, but I'm not listening to you. I'm waiting for you to finish so I could prove to you how wrong you are. You know those conversations. That, so he says, Ba'amitiyas, when there's a real, when there's a real exchange, there's what's called active listening on both sides. You could come to truth. This is also so important when it comes to Avaida. Avaida means internal spiritual work. Real Oivde Hashem, they can open up and talk to each other about vulnerable things. Nigei Levava means the plagues in my heart, the maladies, the, the pain in my heart. There's so many good things about it. There's certain things, as much as you try, it's called confirmation bias. Today we call confirmation bias. There's just certain things I'm not going to see in myself. Why? Because I am I. He says in Yen, certain things that I will just not realize. The Pasuk says in Mishlei, Perik Yud, Proverbs 10, we have blind spots. Self-love has blind spots that covers up everything. All my sins. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. That's how it is. I, I love myself and I want to protect myself. So as long as I remain in my own orbit, there's people who will not open up to anybody for decades. And they're smart people, and they say, I have it all figured out. What is this guy going to help me? Was Every therapist is a crook, every rabbi is a crook, every person is a crook, right? I'm the only one. So he says you remain completely blinded. Sometimes you can have geniuses. You talk to them, but their level of emotional maturity is of a two-year-old. You know what I'm talking about? You know other people, right? When it comes to other subjects, they're brilliant. They have more patents than Thomas Edison had. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to, uh, to internal reflection, I can't talk to anybody. <laughs> to be able to identify my, my flaws, my challenges when it comes to my midas, my emotions, my relationships, my disposition. <laughs> We have a lot of self-love, which is really self-protection. It's really self-protection. And it, 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 it protects me from it. It covers up. It doesn't want to let me go there. You know, this is where I am. And it doesn't want to let me go there. It's going to cover it up. It's not going to give me access to that information. When you have a real friend, when you have a real conversation with somebody, he can point out things. He can identify it. There's something else. When you verbally articulate what's bothering you, when you verbally articulate your pain, there's something therapeutic. This is interesting. This is the late 1800s. You know, today is the age of psychology, and this, this is before Dr. Freud uh, became Dr. Freud. He was still a medical doctor. <laughs> he was uh, Freud was a neuro. He began as a neuro a, a, a neuro a neuroscientist. An MD, 
Later he went into uh, psychoanalysis in the early 1900s. So he says there's something therapeutic. You know everything in your mind. Talk about it. Talking about it brings it out. It allows a person to get in touch with the pain much more than before. Even though I know it. I know what. Why should I talk about it? I know it all. <laughs> You're right. You know it. But the articulation of it gets you in touch with it. Words have power. You could feel more remorse. You could realize what happened. Right? You could see what you really want and what you don't really want. There's a lot of repair that happens. That's why in Yiddishkeit we have a concept of verbal confession. There's a mitzvah in Shuvah, you do vidui dvarim. Why? The main thing is feel bad, remorse, make a resolution for the future. No, there's something vidui dvarim. Vidui dvarim is a real, is, it's a real union. Why? But you know it already. What's the point? Because the verbal articulation of it is very repairing. It's repairing for the soul. When things become articulated in words, somehow they can affect you in a deeper way. In Mishlei, chapter 12, Shleim HaMelech says like this, if there's anxiety in the heart of a person, Yischena. What does Yischena mean? The Gemara says in Yuma Ayin Hey, Yischena Lacherim. Talk about it to others. Why? I have anxiety. What's going to help? This Apostle in Mishle. Daiga Belev Ish, Yischena. Or Yischena. Chazal say Yischena. From the word Sicha, right? Sicha, like Sicha Schulen. Talk about it. Yischena means Yischena Lacherim. Talk about it to others. Why? Why should I talk about it? We don't talk about it. We're perfect. But Shlema Melech didn't think so. What's the Indian? Vanurayim we see. I don't understand. If you talk about things that you actually make them grow, they become bigger. So if a person is having dying anxiety, why should you increase the anxiety? Just repress it. <laughs> right? The good model. Don't talk. Don't talk. It doesn't exist. You talk about it, you bring it out, suddenly it becomes dramatic. Eh, be quiet, I still, shtigen. He says, that's true. <laughs> but afterwards, there's a release. It becomes, becomes much better. That's what Chazal understood. And by the way, it's interesting. The Gemara there gives two meanings what Yisichena means. One is Yisichena, talk about it. And one is Yisichena, from the word Hesachadas. Yisichena Medaita. So it's Mamresha paradox. One meaning is, talk about it, which means, don't repress it. The other meaning is Yisichena Medaita. Push it away from your mind. But now we understand. It's not, it's not a paradox. You can't push it away from your mind if you don't talk about it. That's called repression. You're not pushing it away. You're just pushing it under the surface and it's going to leak out in dysfunctional ways. And it's going to affect your nervous system. It's going to affect your physiology. People who say, I don't process emotions. I don't deal with emotions. I'm a computer. I'm an intellectual giant, right? What do I have to talk about? It's not that it's not there. It's just there in a way that I'm not in charge anymore. It completely controls me. 
and it leaks out, it leaks out, it leaks out in this way or that way. Person becomes passive aggressive, person gets angry, person gets exhausted, person suddenly has back pain. You could speak to Dr. Sarna about that. Etc. The Yisichena Lachedim helps the Yisichena Midaite. There's a release. He says, on the contrary, it makes you feel worse. He says, it makes you feel worse. But afterwards, it, it's, you know, skeletons live in closets. When they come out, they're not such skeletons, right? Ghosts live in the dark. When you cast light on them, the, 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 the ghosts are diminished. Yahreb Yosef. Yeah, here he says, Chaveri, a friend, but the same concept. A confidant, a confidant, a real person. He says, people who are involved in real Avedis Hashem know that this is a foundation. You need to talk to somebody. You need to be open, both when it comes to real learning and when it comes to spiritual growth. Can't be locked up. yeah. Acquire a friend. I hear you. You want to know why by a Rav he says a say and why by a Chav he says Kne? You should say it's the other way around. Um, a friend you make and you're saying a rabbi you buy. I'm not going to go there at the moment. Aha, uh-huh, Kenyan, okay? Huh? You have to pay the therapist. <laughs> the therapists here in the room say that you have to pay for therapy. So, Kne Lechachavah. This is true When you talk about the maladies, the nige means like the plagues, the, the pain of my heart. It's painful. And it's more painful because it's being brought out. The person may cry, the person will feel the pain. But but it's the only way to relieve it, to release it. Because with that, you help eliminate, you help remove it, you, you, you articulate it, you can, it, can, it can come out of the system. It doesn't have to stay stuck in the system. Furthermore, there's another element. He said already two things. Number one is, when I live only in myself, I have too many blind spots. I'm extremely subjective, and it's not a bad thing. I am a, I am I. <laughs> I see it from my perspective. Relationships allow me to get feedback, honest feedback. That's number one. Number two, the very process of communication is already therapeutic and meaningful. That's the second thing. The first thing is that there's somebody else, this feedback. The second thing is that there's a process of communication. Oiza is just something else. When people talk, you have what's called cross-pollination. You have what's called synergy. You know what synergy means? There's my energy and your energy and there's synergy. People come up with ideas. It's very surprising. You say, yeah, what do I need this guy? I'm smarter than him. But the fact is, there's more energy, there's more input. And then people could make agreements together about repairing for the future. Resolutions that are done in community with other people have much more staying power 
much more validity, much more power, much more longevity than agreements you make on your own. You know, people make resolutions every Monday and Thursday. And they last till Kriya Satayra, till the next Bar Mitzvah, which is that night. When people come together and decide something, it just has staying power because of that synergy. Vinimsa. So what's the result? What's the summation? So when people who are dedicated to serve Hashem come together and connect, it's extremely beneficial and not for one reason, for many different reasons. But that's only if your Avodah Hashem is filled with bittel. In other words, I'm really serving God. I'm really serving God. It has bittel. What's bittel? Bittel, as we always say, is alignment with infinity. Alignment with Ein Saif. I'm a conduit for infinity. Then you could really connect to people. You could become close. You could become one. You're not afraid of intimacy. You're not afraid of vulnerability. You're not afraid of honesty. It always requires Bittel. Avog yesh. But when a person lives in the world of yesh, what's yesh? Yesh means somethingness. But bittel is not nothingness and yesh is somethingness. Yesh means when I create a sense of self, divorced from the true sense of self that is an expression of Hashem's oneness. In other words, I create a substitute for myself. The real self is a conduit for infinity, for Hashem. Yes, is I create a substitute reality that has to now compensate for an ego that doesn't really exist, right? That's what the idea of yes is. So now what happens is, the worst thing is vulnerability. The worst thing. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. You could stab me in my heart. You could stab me in my chest. You could stab me in my back. You could manipulate me. You can exploit me. Then loneliness is the way to go. Isolation. I can't be open. How can I be open? It's very hard to be open about your pain. Chavre, relate to what he's saying here. Why? Because there's no real confidence. Vulnerability comes from real confidence. You know, people would always, sometimes men think that vulnerability is for weak women. But macho men are not vulnerable. They don't have emotions. Somebody once told me, I'm a man, I don't have emotions. <laughs> really. I'm not sensitive. My wife is sensitive. One of the great myths that women are more sensitive than men. Not any man that I know. We're trained to say it maybe to ourselves. Our way of dealing with it. But the truth is, it's the con- on the contrary. When a person is in a state of bittel, they're in a state of alignment, they could be very vulnerable. Why? Because by being vulnerable, I'm not going to cease to exist. By opening myself up, if you really exist, if your core is powerful... By opening yourself up, you'll exist more, not less. But if my whole identity is based on yeshes, meaning it's based on cover-ups within myself, I'm a coping in order to survive, and therefore I have to create this identity that is very powerful because it's really powerless, then the worst thing is to be honest, to be vulnerable. It's extremely difficult. Well, listen, we, we vacillate between both states, but if I can be aware of which part of me is coming to the fore and making the decisions, I'm already in a much better space. You can't say, I don't know a person to say, 24 hours I'm in a state of bittal, but if I can identify 
And so you know right now my, 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 my trauma is coming out. My fear is coming out. I'm going to be very stubborn, confrontational, oppositional, uh, argumentative, right? Why? Because I'm in a very weak place. When you're aligned with infinity, you're not weak. You don't have to be oppositional. You could listen. It doesn't threaten your existence. You could compromise. You could say, I'm sorry. You could be vulnerable. On the contrary, makes you, it makes you a real person. It makes you uh, an honest person. You're authentic. You're not repressing. So we vacillate. And if I can identify those voices, I can say, this is the voice of Bittal. This is the voice of Yeshus. You're already ahead of, a ga- of the game. Yeah, Meseches Erevin. Rabbi Benar, right? Yeah. Rav Preide, Rav Preide. Yeah, for sure. The Gemara says that he would, there was an Amaira, he would teach a student 400 times. Right? And once in middle, he was distracted with somebody, somebody came to ask him something, and the student says, I don't understand anything, you have to do it all over again. And he did it because, and the Gemara is maflahim. it represented his dedication to the cause that was completely unwavering. He knew this is my mission, and he was in, and that was fine. You know, that's called a pnimi, somebody who really gets involved in something, and it's authentic, this is what I'm doing, and this is what I'm going to do with every fiber of my being. When I'm present, I'm going to be fully present. Which is also connected to Bittal, because if I'm fully present in something, I can really be there, because I'm truly comfortable with it. If I know this is where I have to be, so this is where I have to be. I'm not distracted by other things. And it's never about people-pleasing. It's never about to be yotze for you, be yotze for you, be yotze for you. That's all, these are all protective modes in order to create a substitute for real identity that went into hiding because of my experiences in life, or because of abuse, or because of trauma, because of, you know, we all have our experiences in life, which which cause us to go into a place of yesh, where I am always creating substitute realities, and sometimes it's very well worked out, and I will not let you take a needle and rupture my balloon. The balloon is really developed. You know, it's a nice balloon, and it's filled with water. Yeah. So he said, if I'm in that place, I can't open up. It's, it's too painful. So what do I do? I have to blame you. Now, what happens if you see these things in me and you try to bring it up in a conversation? What happens? <laughs> right? This is where marriages fall apart. I go, I go crazy. Because you're getting close to that which is supposed to stay hidden till the end of my life. Even I don't know about it and you're suddenly bringing it up. So anger is a very normal reaction. Somebody comes with a sword, is trying to stab you. For you, that's a stab. It's a stab. So what do I do? I get very, very upset at you, and you suddenly you become the problem. And sometimes a person could live their whole life in that mode. You understand the prison this is. It's completely prison. I'm in a, I'm in a prison. And I justify it. Yeah, yeah. I will not let the subconscious come to the conscious. I've invested a half a century in protecting the subconscious. Or some people a full century, a quarter of a century. It's not that I'm, I'm not going to let you ruin a palace that I have built so successfully and it made me who I am today. In a state of bittal, you could look at all the protectors and you could say, thank you. 
you were very good, you did your service well, but now it's time for you to relax. You could put down your guns and let uh, let people go in. There's another reaction. When I'm in a state of yesh, I, it's very hard for me to open up, and also, I put down people. You look at somebody else and you say, he's a nobody. I'm going to reveal my intimate stuff to you. You're an idiot. What do you know? What are you going to help me? This is another element. How can you be beneficial to me? It's one of two things. Either I can't open up, it's too embarrassing, or the other mechanism is, to whom? To whom? You know these people. You have a file on everybody and how foolish and idiotic they are. So this is, again, why, why do I do this? I do this, I come from a place of judgmentalism. All judgmentalism is basically living with a facade. Because judging other people, what does it do? It takes away the attention from what I have to be working on. You want to help people? Help people. What are you, what are you sitting and judging people? All judgment is a form of fear. Make sense? What's the fear? <laughs> fear is go to go there. I don't want to go this way, so I go this way. Because what, 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 what purpose does judgmentalism serve in life? You want to help somebody, so help them. Talk, like he said, talk, go talk to them. Huh? You want to support them? Support them. You feel they're making a terrible mistake and they're destroying their family, so go talk to them. Or ask somebody who has influence, go talk to them. What's this idea of sinning and judging somebody? What, what exactly is it? It's an honest evaluation coming from love, coming from empathy, coming from connection. Huh? Protecting, Protecting my own fears. First of all, it makes me feel better right away. <laughs> There's a story about the author of this Maimed, Rebbe Rashab. He was a little kid, and he had an older brother, the Razah, Rebbe Zalman Aaron, they called him, an older brother. Their father was known as the Rebbe Maharash. He was the son of the Tzemach Tzedek, the fourth Chabad Rebbe. And he watched the two brothers playing. Zalman Aaron was older than the Rashab. The Rashab took over his father, but Zalman Aaron was older. And he was shorter than his younger brother. And they, they were playing in the garden, and there was a ditch. So Zalman Aaron, a little kid, he takes the Rashab, who was younger than him, but taller than him, and he puts him into the ditch. So he's crying. So the father calls them over and says, What happened? So Zamanaran says, Tata, I'm older, and yet I'm shorter. That's not fair. So I put him in the ditch, so now he's shorter than me. That's the way it's supposed to be. Not bad. It's a five-year-old kid. So his father thought a moment, and he said, yeah, Zamanaran, yeah, I understand, I understand. But next time you want to feel taller, instead of putting him into, into a ditch, climb onto a mountain. Instead of putting him into a ditch, climb onto a mountain. So, uf kletter enough a barg. Kletter is to climb up. Scale a mountain, and then you'll be taller. You understand? But that's much harder. It's much easier to put you in a ditch than I have to now climb Mount Everest. <laughs> it's harder. It takes work. Judging is cheap. Judge, uh, the guy is this, the guy is this, the guy is this. I'm chaya. Right? So I'm right away a superior. So when I go into that place, again, I'm in a place not of bittal. I'm in, when you're in touch with infinity, you're never judgmental. If I could be of help, be of help. I may disagree with what a person is doing, fine. But this element of judgmentalism 
is coming from a complete disregard of the internal world of the other person. Yeah. So that's what we learned in the previous classes, that paradoxes are not curses. Paradox in life is part of the blessing. You understand? The whole culture of Torah, the whole culture of Gemara is based on Machloikas. But that's not bad. That's Hischalkos. Granular division is the way to create more growth. Depends how I take it, how I access it. The bottom line is, At a core place, oneness is too difficult for me. He says, all the excuses, that's the, in a very deep place, I can't really connect. When it comes to learning, I become stubborn, and if this is my perspective, this is the only truth, I cannot really listen to another person's view. Even if I do, it's always with agendas, with, with, uh, with manipulation, to really, really open myself up to another view takes tremendous humility, which takes tremendous alignment and confidence. I can't do it. It becomes an exercise in, in stubbornness or ego or proving that you're wrong. It's a different type of learning. And you have that sometimes. You have that sometimes. This is who I am, this is what I think, and that's it. And this becomes God's will and there's nothing else. When they talk about something, they actually become more separated. Because each one digs into his own ego. And then psychologically, that becomes an excuse. How can you deal with this person? Look how stubborn he is. In other words, I create the situation, and then I say, I can't deal with this person. What he's defining here is, sometimes I distance you from me, and then I say, look how distant you are. (laughs) How can I connect to you? You understand what's happening? I distance you because of my own inner mechanisms that I'm unaware of. And then I say, you can't connect to this person. Look how distant they are. Even though that was my doing. So he says, that's what happens here. Huh? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. yeah. I want to learn another few minutes. And then, also, when it comes to Avaidah Hashem, it's hard for people to connect. Because often I cannot really respect your avoidus Hashem. I can't see the other person as a servant of God. Somehow I always have to find the deficiencies in another person's life. And I put down the goodness in this person. Some people just have it. What is it? What is it? Somebody will say something beautiful about somebody. Nah, nah, nah. Do you know what he? You know why? Why do you know this? Do you know that? So what is it about? The guy took away your house. The guy took away your parnasa. The guy did something to you. And when you find up as a flaw, even if it's an external flaw, suddenly is it going to become dramatic? It's going to become the story of the century. You're going to blow it up. Even though, let's say the person has the flaw. It's not like it's contaminating what he did. Fine, he has a flaw. Suddenly that becomes the story of the century. You talk about it. So now you embarrass him, you denigrate him. 
And if you find a, a, a negative mida in him, and he says, Ecclesiastes Kahela says, there's no perfect tzaddik in the world. Everyone has flaws. Everyone has deficiencies. Suddenly, any good thing becomes nothing, worthless, not, it's nothing. And that negativity that you find becomes greater and it eclipses all the good. It's as though there's no good in him. You would think this person is a, is, is a monster. The person is the devil himself. Why? It's a and there's a middle of David. He says, okay, fine. So, so he's not a perfect person. What is this? All the good gets in this battle. I have to diminish him. I have to embarrass him. There's no forgiveness. That's not how life works. The person is serving Hashem. He davens. He learns Torah. He observes mitzvahs. He does good things. That's good. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Can you look at that? This may be what he's doing most of the day or all the day. This is his malachis involved in Torah and Tefillah. You know, sometimes you have it again in marriages. A person speaks about their spouse. You know, they're married 25 years. All they could say is, it was horrible. Did she ever do anything good? No, nothing. <laughs> really nothing. There's, there's no perspective. There's no context. What is that? It has nothing to do with the reality. It has to do with my own internal inability to be able to operate from a space of true, true acceptance of the other because there's no acceptance of the self. That's the key. Because I live in a place of weakness. I live in a very deep place of yeshes, not of bittal. I do it to myself, so I do it to you. It's always connected. I, Masha Nimtza by Midera. I, the person has a, a negative mida. <laughs> person may have a disposition or an attribute that needs help. He says, okay, Zel Niskana Good morning. He's not fully fixed. The Pasuk says in Eiv, Job 11, a person is born like a wild beast, like a wild donkey. Ayar is a wild donkey, pere, wild. Adam, that's how you're born. It's not like a person comes here to the world, perfect product. From already the beginning of my birth, I'm not repaired. Every person needs work. This is the avoid of a person throughout all the days of his life. All the days of your life. To develop my character, to work on my character, to work on my midas, to work on my personality traits, to work on my disposition, to work on my internal makeup. Shalzen Nemar, the Pasik says in Tehillim, Behem Shivim Shana, David Amelech says. The days of our years in them is Shivim Shana. What's Behem? He should have said, Shivim Shana. Our years are 70 years. So he says, What's Behem? Behem Oisius Behema. The word bahem is beis heimem is behema. What's pshat? Yemeshne isenu bahem v'koy al amidos haroyes hatim shalanefesh abahamis shalzen nitel adam shivim shano levarer hazayin midos roys. Yemeshne isenu bahem. It's to work with the behema, with the animal inside of me, and that's why there's seventy years. Why seventy? David Amalech happened to live for seventy years, but he says every person there's seven midos. And every midah is 10 years. <laughs> so he says, that's the behem. 
You don't fix everything like this. You snap your finger and you're a changed person. It doesn't work that way. He says it takes 10 years to work on a midah, 70 years. So you have 70 years. But this is very comforting because it means that the internal struggles that we have with our own identity and how we view ourselves and how we view others, this is the work of life. It's not the obstacle of life. This is life. This is the work of life. They say that there was a Jew who came to the Baal Shem Tev. He held from himself a little, uh, uh, you know, he held himself in very high regard. So he felt that he deserves to see Elio Anavi. So he came to the Baal Shem Tev and he said, I want to see Elio And the Baal Shem Tev said, it's not for you. You don't need it. <laughs> you know, he said, I please, 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 I'll do anything. Give me an Avoidah. So the Baal Shem Tev says, okay, here's what you should do for the next 10 years. He gives him an Avoidah for 10 years and he does it. But lo and behold, he did not see Eliyahu Anavi. So he comes back to the Baal Shem Tev broken. And he says, everything I did was a waste of time, all worthless and meaningless. He says, what? I worked 10 years, I did everything you told me to do, and I accomplished nothing. The Baal Shem Tev says, you accomplished nothing, you accomplished a lot. You became a humble human being. You became a humble human being. And sometimes, that could be deeper than Gili Eliyahu, you know, it's finding yourself, Yechidosh HaBenefesh. So Yemeshne Seinu Bahem, the years is Bahem, to work with my Midois Tivim, with the natural Midois of the Nefesh Bahamas, the animal consciousness, the animal consciousness of a person, that is, that is how our brain functions. And to be able to infuse it with light, to be able to elevate it, to sublimate it to a state of Bittl, that's where the beginning of the transformation of the world happens. We talk about changing the world. The first world I need to change is my own brain. My own brain, right? The insecurities in my own brain, the fears, the animal fears of my own brain, that's where your avayda begins. It says in Mishpatim, Hashem says, you're not going to conquer Eretz Yisrael in one day. Slowly, slowly will I expel the enemy. The work on the Midas requires tremendous exertion and toil and work. And then with time, with tremendous avoid, and he says a few things, tefillah, davening. Because what's real davening? Davening, like we always say, is not just words. Davening is a relationship. Davening is the time that you try to connect to your divine soul, to your divine core. Then there's this Bainanus Belakus. Bainus Belakus is meditation and contemplation on the godliness inside of you. And the third thing is, is Gabrus Hamidus Shalnefeshalakis. You find out what it looks like to live with your divine soul. What do those midas look like? And when they prevail, so he says three things: Machlish, Mevarer, or Mezachich. Machlish means you weaken. Mevarer means you select, like Boirer, you select, you separate. And Mezachich means you refine. Those are three stages. Machlish, Mavarer, or Mezachich. You weaken the responses of the Nefesh Bahamas. They're not so powerful. They're not so aggressive. You're Mavarer. You select. You see where everything is coming from. And then ultimately you refine it. It's three stages. When somebody is involved in Avedis Hashem, what does it reflect in? It reflects in how they work on their Midos. But everyone needs a support system. People need help. 
Sometimes I cannot do this myself. As we said before, self-love makes me unaware, ignorant of what I'm struggling with. So you need a friend to help find advice, to help you become aware. But if you really love somebody, if there's a real relationship, let me tell you how to do it. Instead of pointing a finger and say, all of his good is worthless because look at that midah, let me tell you how you do it. You have a private, personal conversation, you and the other person face-to-face. This is before WhatsApp, there was no WhatsApp, so communication was, you you spoke to somebody. And together you could find ways of correcting, that's how you do it. Friendship doesn't mean, forgiveness doesn't mean you can't, you can't criticize, you can't talk about difficult issues. But it's, cont- it's contextualized. If you don't do this, the way you do it is you denigrate, you belittle, you embarrass, you have contempt. Especially if you do it in front of other people. This has nothing to do with his issues. This has to do with my hatred. I simply do not have space for the celebration of another person. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This machlish mevarer mezachich. It's three stages in life. That that yeah, yeah. Machlish is when you know about your divine soul and your animal soul. So the animal soul is not so powerful. The lion in the room is not so scary. He's a benign lion. You know. What do they say? The bark is bigger than the bite. One of the challenges with our animal soul, with our with our trauma is, it becomes so powerful, there's nothing else. You know, right now, if there's a lion in the room right now, and I tell you guys, relax, just meditate, right? You're going to say, you're crazy, you know, have a good day, out. Psychologically, yeah, if your wife tells you something, or your teenage girl tells you something, or, or your boss tells you something, right? And in your mind, that's a lion in the room, <laughs> you're done, it's survival. So when I know about my nefesh alakis, when I know about my infinity, it becomes weaker. The second thing is mevarer, boirer. You could select, you could see. You could see what's toiv, what's ra. And then you could do mezachi, you can actually refine it. And you see that the animal is never bad. The animal is not bad. The animal has to be, has to be educated, enlightened. Our avoid with our nefesh Bahamas is never about obliteration. It's about sublimation, enlightenment, education. So you see, one of the worst things in, in, in relationships is contempt. Uh, uh, Gutman, the big guru on marriages, he says one of the things you could see when couples come to him, you know, he like interviewed 40,000 couples, he wrote a lot of books on marriage, he says one of the things you see a marriage is not going to happen, it's not going to work out, is contempt. What's contempt? Contempt means I just dismiss you, you're, you're a piece of garbage. There's absolutely no respect. The opposite of contempt is not that I don't see flaws. It's that I can talk about it from a context of wholeness. We could communicate. This is bothering me. This is hard for me. So that's what he's describing here. If I look at something, and there's really maybe a challenge in this person, and all I can see is contempt, and everything is defined by that, and delegitimizes, says, that has very little to do with that person. It has to do with my, there's something in my own relationship that I don't know how to really connect. And that has to do with my own image vis-a-vis myself. 
And it's a very powerful idea because it could sometimes look very holy. Oh, I'm very objective. I'm explaining exactly your problem. Look, look, Fadarbin, the corruption, the Midera. He said, no, no, no. If there's something bothering you, you go, you talk, you communicate. It's in context of goodness. If it's contempt, he says, especially in front of other people. You know, when people start talking about their loved ones in front of somebody else. You, it's not just you have contempt. You share with other people your contempt. So now it's even more. It's, it's worse. It's like the contempt is so deep, I have to tell everybody else. People sometimes do that. They do that even to people who are close to them. You know, they talk about some people that are very close to them. It's surprising. But people can do it. He says, that really means that I am very unresolved. So he finishes here and he says, it means I, I couldn't care less for your goodness. And it also means that I don't really care for Avodah Hashem. He says, the truth is, every Jew should want that there should be Avodah Hashem in the world. Why? Because that's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants there should be Avodah Hashem in the world. So when you see Avodah Hashem, you should celebrate it. A beautiful, beautiful idea. A Jew, I want Avodah Hashem in the world. You see Avodah celebrate it. But I don't care. I don't care about you, and I don't care about Avodah Hashem. All I'm trying to do is try to validate my existence and deal with my own self hatred. So what's the cause? It's the lack of my Avodah Hashem. My Avodah Hashem has a fakeness to it. It has a superficiality to it. My Avodah Hashem doesn't challenge me authentically. Avaidus Hashem could sometimes be arrogant. It could be narcissistic. What do you mean? I'm the most, uh, I daven and I learn. I'm gewaldic a guy. I could serve Hashem on the books, but ultimately at my core, there's a lack of true, true alignment. There's a lack of what's called bittal alignment with infinity. Anachas atzmusay. Anachas atzmusay means that my very atzmus, my very core, becomes aligned with Hashem. Rather, my avodas Hashem is yeshus. It's filled with a sense of separateness. There's a narcissism there. There's an arrogance there. Murgish ba'atzmay. It's always there's a tremendous self consciousness there, and self consciousness is the antithesis of divine consciousness. Self-consciousness means that myself is separated from the divine and therefore I'm so self-conscious and I'm so aware of who I am and how much validation I'm getting and what people think of me because I am so detached from my own source. So I basically need that validation constantly. That's called murgish ba'atzmai. I feel everything I'm doing. I'm always narrating in my mind. You know, the critic in your mind, always aware I'm doing this, I'm saying this, it's being experienced like this. So I may be technically be involved in Avaitis Hashem, but Avaitis Hashem in the broader sense that a person is truly in a place of bittal, truly in a place of, of oneness with the source. Hanachas atzmusay. So I can, I can transcend that sense of the, of the need to be right and to, to be egotistical and to have contempt and really not celebrate the other, I have to become aware of that. So he says, sometimes you find that in communities where people are supposedly completely dedicated to Avedis Hashem, but their interpretation of Avedis Hashem may need help. Because what does Avedis Hashem mean? Avedis Hashem means that I look a certain way externally. Avedis Hashem is expressed in many external ways, but he says, but the core of what it's expressed in is... In this awareness of bittal, 
in this space of, of oneness, of inclusivity, of infinity, where I celebrate my true identity, and therefore I could celebrate your true identity. I just want to announce that uh, Shabbos, we have the regular schedule here. Sunday, 2.30 in the afternoon, there will be a lecture here in the tent, Tent Aleph, where the AC works the best. <laughs> tent Aleph for men and women. It's going to be a chapter of history. That's Tisha B'Av, Yud of 2.30 in the afternoon. Everybody is invited, men and women. There'll be a Mechitza. And Monday morning, we're going to resume the Mimer, 7.45 a.m. I wish you all a beautiful day, a meaningful day, an inspiring day, and a day of uh, real bittle. Thank you for gracing us. Pleasure to have you. Self-consciousness. He said that his father-in-law said that when a body is healthy, you don't feel it. It's like light. When you start feeling your body, it means infection, a headache, lethargic. If I'm healthy, I should feel my body. When I feel myself, it means that I'm disaligned, I'm misaligned. When you're completely aligned, there's just uh, there's a lightness. <laughs> Next step is you come here. <laughs> I mean, the the awareness is the beginning, you know. And I think we we you know we have to begin learning and and developing a support system to be able to uh, reconnect. The connection is there. The question is only perception. That's the first thing you have to remember. The connection is always there. The eye doesn't disappear. It just may be in exile. It's in Golos, you know. I saw, I saw it's like it's tough, yeah. so many years it's tough, and yeah. feel like I have so much, but really yeah. it's nothing inside. Yeah. Right? Orthodox Judaism doesn't always equal bittel. <laughs> you know, I could put on tefillin and I could learn daf yoimi and it's a beautiful thing. Not chas to take anything away. I could daven shachas minchemayde with a minion for forty-five years, never miss, which is beautiful and amazing and incredible and tremendous schar. But I still may be in exile. A person just has to realize we have to all realize that, you know. And 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 it comes out in relationships. It comes out in relationships, especially with other Jews who are not from our own community and they don't agree with us. That's where you see it. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.